Yes, people, what's happening? And welcome to the Frankie Allen Podcast. We are back after four months with your host, Will Cranny, and the main man in the building. He is... Frankie Allen, UK's most feared comedian. Comedian, no. Comedian, just emphasising <laughs> comedian. Not comedian, that's female. I'm very, very male. <laughs> nice one. So we haven't had the podcast for, or haven't recorded a podcast, should I say, for four months. Um, it's fantastic to be able to get back on here for you. It's been a crazy year. It's been a really, really mad year. And we just want to come on here and, and wrap up 2020 tell you what we've been up to, tell you how we've been finding things and uh, get Frank's thoughts on some of the major things that have happened this year. So, yeah, first of all, I mean, ha- what have you been up to today? What's What's been happening with you? All I've been doing today, went out, got something to eat, had my brekkie and then everywhere you go now, I mean, I had a bit of cash I needed to put into the bank. Hypothetically. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you messing. Joking, go on. Well, it's not a great deal. It's only like a couple of quid. It's not like it's all... If anyone's listening from the fucking... Don't you know, worry about like it. Half a million pounds. Go on. I'll tell you how much it was. It's just nothing. <laughs> go on. And uh, I just wanted to put some few quid in the bank. And uh, as everybody knows, it's a good tip for people, this. Yeah. There are queues outside all the banks. I went to Barclays... Same yesterday, the day before. Huge queues. People are queuing up in the rain outside Santander. So it's impossible, really, to put money in a bank now. But somebody told me a while ago, if you go to a local post office, you can put your money in the bank there Mm. and they just transfer it to Barclays or Santander, whoever you're with. So I went today. Big queue outside Barclays. Big queue outside Santander. Went to the post office on Broadway where I live, Norris Green. And uh, great, nobody in there, straight in, paid the money in, put my card in, put my pin number in. The fella took the money instantaneously. Yeah, didn't you say the fella was being weird to you, though, in the post office? The fella was being very weird. The girl went up. (laughs) Yeah, before you. Yeah, and uh, she was in front of me. She had a little kid putting this parcel in. So I got behind her, obviously... I'm thinking, well, obviously, this is a kind of like, I don't know, position they call it, don't do it. You can extra people taking the money, do your business. So the next thing, the fellow just, when he finished with the girl, he just walked away. So I just stood there and then he's gone. Then he came back juggling these parcels. So I'm just standing there waiting for him to finish and he come up to me <laughs> and he went, I'm not there now, mate, I'm doing something else. Just started shouting. Which talk very unprofessional for someone who's working in the post office, mm. you know, in the public. So I said, okay. So he went, I'm doing something else, don't mate. I'm not on there, I'm not on there, I'm doing something else. Yeah. Shouting as though he was in like in a pub, like he's going to fight someone. And I just went, I never said anything, mate. I didn't say anything. Yeah. I just stood there. I'm just standing here. So he went, well, you'll have to go somewhere else. I said, okay, no problem. But you could see his blood was boiling. Fuming, because he couldn't get anywhere with me, really. You know, I just kind of, like, stunned him. He didn't rise to him. Everything I, he said, I said, well, okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll just go to the next one. Yeah. But when I went to the next one, the fella was this old fella behind the counter, and he must have seen me arguing with the little young fella. So he didn't like me. He had an attitude. So put me money, and he went... 
Just like a robot, he didn't say, please, thank you, or how are you doing? He went, wrong number, wrong pin number. So I went, okay, I'll do another one. <laughs> so I don't remember the number, put the number in. Yeah. But you can always tell when people don't like it. When he gave me the receipt and I walked away, I said, thanks. He didn't say thanks. He didn't, didn't say goodbye or whatever. So anybody listening, anybody in the management of the post office Which in post the UK, office? Well, this was in Broadway, Norris Green, Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. So anybody, you know, I'm talking about anybody who's in PR, I know maybe in London for the post office, because it's a big company, isn't it? You know, um, you really need to possibly address, you know, your kind of communication skills. Some of your people, your tellers, I think they're called, the people behind the counter. You can't be nasty with people and like kick off as though you're in a fucking pub. What's all that about? Get it sorted. I mean, the fellow was only like that big, you know. Yeah. Small fellow. Who does he think he is? Small man syndrome. Nice one. Anyone in the post office, get it sorted. Because this is going out to thousands of people who are going to be listening to this and I got to fume off the fellas in Broad Green post office next time no, they go no, in Broad there. Green, Broadway. Oh, sorry, Broadway, get it right, yeah. So if anybody in Liverpool, if you want to go in, just go in. And see if you can see him. And he's like ginger ear and a little fella. And he's walking around as though like, uh, as though he's, re- you know, like Mike Tyson used to be before he, he got it, when he got in the ring and he's walking yeah. around like, and he's going like this, just like that, very angry. Oh, no good. Hey, sound. So what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this year up. 2020 has been a, a weird year to say the least. Um, it feels like we've been in a film. It's been really, really hard for both myself and Frank and James Kilvington, anyone who's involved in our business, any entertainers, anyone in hospitality whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, what we're going to do is we're going to run back to the start of the year and I want to find out from you how your year was going. So the first show we did in 2020, Vale Sports Arena, Cardiff, Friday, 24th of Jan. And we don't usually work the back end of January but Peter, he knows he fucked the dates up on us. <laughs> but, yeah, and he brought it forward. Well, that's fine. We we had a smashing show on the Friday, 24th of January. Um, tell us tell us about how, how you felt then going down there. For, I think it was the third yeah, time, second time. Nobody. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't want to, we don't really want to spend a lot of time on this because we've got to be, start being optimistic. You know, we don't want to get pessimistic about what went on, how we got on a slow slide to going into quarantine. But nobody at the time in January had any idea that the lockdown was coming, that the virus was going to spread to the UK. The first thing I remember was pictures on a telly about Wuhan and people in China who caught the virus and saying it could be fatal with some people. And mm. then a couple of people came here and they were isolated when the fella tested positive and he was isolated in Arrow Park Hospital in Liverpool on the Whittle, just the other side of the tunnel, the other side of the river. And it was just one or two cases, then it slowly, slowly spread. Then we got to the stage where we had some shows booked in, didn't we? And you said to me, I don't think these shows are going to fly. Well, let's talk first about, I want to know about how the start of the year was for you. I mean, we had some amazing shows before everything went tits up. Let's talk about those shows and how you were feeling during that time and were you feeling optimistic about the year before any of this. So I'll just I'll just read these out shows out yeah. here. We did end of January, we did Cardiff, Bristol, Stoke, another sold-out show in Stoke, Middlesbrough, sold out again, Preston, Telford at Dorley Town Hall. Dorley, we, we went yeah. to Warrington, we went to Witness, 
we went to St. Helens again on March the 6th. Now, I'll just read that out to you. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine shows we managed to get in between the end of January and the start of March. We had a massive show booked in for, for Wigan, yeah. which was all sold out. And then I said to you, as you said, um, things are going to go to pop. But at that time, so the, the the start of the year, were you feeling very optimistic about what's to come? Were you were you kind of buzzing with the way things were going? How were you feeling at that point? Well, look, like everybody else that's watching this, there's nobody in the UK, no one in the world could have foresaw a global pandemic mm-hmm. which would stop people congregating football matches, you know, Premier League Championship, 30, 40, 50,000 people in stadiums every week. Whoever would have dreamed that that would come to a halt, come to an end, and uh, people would be walking around in masks. It's like being in the middle of a movie. Yeah. It's like, I feel like I'm Charlton Neston in the Amiga Man. You feel as though you're the only person left alive on earth. Sometimes you don't see anybody in the streets because people haven't got the money for petrol. People have got no source of income. And as I've said before, and I hope someone from the government is watching this, a lot of people have told me, all these schemes, cash back or fucking bounce back and whatever, furlough, they're all well and good, but a lot of people haven't qualified. A lot of people slipped in it. Slipped yeah. through the cracks. And when you slip through the fucking cracks, there is nothing there for you at all. No. No one's going to help you. You lose your house, you lose your car, you lose everything. Money's very, very important. So I don't think the governments have been very fair, really about uh, the way that they've compensated people trying to keep businesses afloat. There's a guy on the television, a fellow in London, he had a wine bar, and uh, he was having a terrible time. This was in April. This guy was on the telly, Mm. and he went, I went, applied for one of these loan things from the government, and the government just sent me the number of the, the local bank, I won't say which branch it was, what bank it was, local bank nearest to me, and made an appointment for me and went to see the manager and he said, yeah, you can borrow 25 grand, 30 grand on like 20% interest. So it's been very cruel to people, this virus, you know. It, it's You, you realise all you've got um, is your own family, really, and friends to survive. Nobody outside is going to help you, not the government, not um, any kind of these... Um, Quangos that are supposed to be giving money for free. Nobody gives money out for nothing. And they are looking for any excuse not to pay you. I think what a lot of people have learned throughout this, um, you know, community goes a long way. Communication goes a hell of a long way. And um, security is is kind of not there for a lot of people. A lot of people had nine, five jobs. Um, and <laughs> security is supposed to be in a nine, five job. It didn't really happen for a lot of people you know, fall from graces for a hell of a lot of people. Some people have done well out of this. I know some of you mates who are YouTubers who might be watching this, they've smashed it. <laughs> Unfortunately, our YouTube Look, audience isn't yeah, that, isn't that what, up what to I scratch say, yet. Now, everything, you see, every crisis is just like World War II, like, you know, kind of like uh, pandemics that we've had. But any time that the world goes into crisis, especially in this country, People start inventing things. Like a lot of people have been saying, haven't they? I know this guy. And he set up four different companies. He got like two million pounds off the government. Now he's gone to live in Mexico. Yeah, but they'll come after all those. No, hang on a minute. Well, well, it's rubbish. People (laughs) are making the stories up. 
when you apply, because I've done it, yeah. when you apply to get money off the government, you've got to produce books, you know, your inland revenue returns or whatever, and show that you've been employed, self-employed, for a number of years before you'd even be considered. You can't make companies up and say, oh, yeah, I'm thingy now. I'm My name is like... Um, I, I, I'm um, Libra fucking security company. Then make another one up. Yeah, I'm Sagittarius thing. Give me thousands of pounds. It's just rubbish. And it's amazing when you get a situation like this, people fabricate things. They make things up. I don't know why they do it. Yeah, I know this fella. Who's the fucking fella? Let me have a talk <laughs> with him, find out how he's done it. Yeah. It's just rubbish. Okay, right. Back to... A little bit of optimism at the start of the year. I want to know how before... I know this pandemic has kind of like affected hell of a lot of people. It's affected you and, and, and we'll discuss that a little bit more in in the rest of this episode. But first of all, you did eight to nine shows, I think it was, the start yeah. of the year. Right, some of those, I'm going to reel them off as, okay. a, as I have before. Bristol, prime example, Bristol was our second show of the year. Sold out Friday yeah. 31st of January. How were you feeling at that moment in time? Just to try and get a stark con contrast to what's happened. This is the, still the start yeah, of 2020. Now, I worked at clubs a long time before the video went viral and I got kind of famous mm -hmm. before we started traveling in the UK. And although I'd worked all over the UK, mainly the Northwest, Northeast, Midlands, never really went down south. So it's like everybody else in the UK... You get a kind of an idea in your mind, a preconceived idea yeah. of what places are like. And I always thought Bristol, I didn't know too much about Bristol. I knew it was similar to Liverpool. It was a big port during like the 19th, 18th century and whatever. I knew the actor Cary Grant came from there. I knew it's got like a few rough places, St. Paul's, some rough areas. I knew it had a working class, but I actually thought that it was kind of upper class in a way. So when we were travelling down to Bristol, I wasn't sure how we'd be received. I was a little kind of little bit nervous thinking, I've never done the southwest of England before. I wonder if they'll go for my kind of humour, you know, being blue and swearing and kind of like doing like gallows humour. I wonder if they'll go for it. And I got really, to be honest, got a shock in my life because we got down there and the audience in Bristol were absolutely fantastic. They were laughing like fuck anything yeah. that I said to Jimmy Kilvo, who's a great comedian, you know, he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody, but he went on first, which is very difficult, it's always difficult going on first, to break the ice, smashed it, he brought the house down. And that's a guy from Middlesbrough, and that's really like northeast. I'm from the northwest, and we're in the southwest of England, and we're just bringing the house down. And I just couldn't believe how great, what a fantastic, how receptive an audience they were. And it's probably, would you say, one of our best shows ever? Yeah, certainly. I was quite surprised myself. And it was the end of January. We were doing 250 tickets. I was anticipating we could hit 1,000 tickets by the end of 2020. And that was kind of like proof in the pudding. I was thinking, right, we're on the train on the train here. We're going to keep going, keep going, get the video content out and smash it. And then, you know, the next few shows, unbelievable. And um, we get to March and all of a sudden it gets a little bit weird in Britain. Tell us a little bit about when you first started hearing about the coronavirus. And I know 
you're very, uh, a lot of people will know from watching the podcast and watching the vlogs, but people who, people who don't know who you are, um, you're quite over the top with stuff. So like you, you react very, like you react very strongly to like something yeah. that's like, that that's, um, I don't know, maybe will affect your life in a big way. So as soon as you start hearing about coronavirus, how do, how do you feel about that? Well, strangely enough, I had a feeling, and a funny feeling. I thought this is all going to blow up, where it's going to affect people's lives from day to day. And if you remember, we had some shows booked. I think it was Easter. Yeah. Was it the Monaco in Wigan that we were booked at? We had sold out the Monaco in Wigan, yeah. yeah um, and Boris Johnson was coming on the TV to make an announcement, and you said to me on the phone, I don't think Friday's going to go ahead. And this was like the Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah, this is um, 16th of March, I think, yeah, 2020. And we were working the 18th and the 19th, and I'm sold out. I mean, we were doing fantastic. We were on a roll. I was only watching a video last night. Um, the uh, the one that we'd done at Featherston, when we went up to work to Featherston. <laughs> okay, yeah. And it was a great night, fantastic night. You walking down the crowd, asking people, what did you think of Frankie? What do you think of James Kilver? What did you think of the night? And everybody was saying, fantastic, the best night we've ever had. Mm. And made me feel very sad, thinking, you know, I don't do this for money, and I know you don't. We're doing it, you know, we, we're trying to bring what we think is a great night to people up and down the UK, trying to cheer people up, and especially the younger people, let younger people see a style of comedy which is not political, it's not kind of like, left-wing or politically orientated. It's just people having a laugh and not being afraid. And by the way, to, uh, to, to anyone who is going to second-guess that, Frankie Allen went viral on TikTok this week. Millions of views on TikTok. Yeah. You, you've seen the average age for TikTok. It's like, it's like, I wouldn't say children, but like young kids. Like it's only like age. 14 to 19, isn't it? Something I think like so, that, something yeah. like that. So it's a strange, my style of humour does... And the, the main demographic for Frankie Allen, the people who watch me, it's like under 30, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd say about 28 to 35 is your average. 25 is yeah. the average. Now we've got like 14 to 20 people are getting mm. on it, you know, young kids. I think people like the fact that I'm not afraid to pick on people, savage people, have a go people, and, and take it right to the edge, where for a long time in this country, people have been so constrained by um, fear, really, fear of saying the wrong things and getting themselves into trouble. And there's always the PC brigade hovering like an eagle over people, watching every syllable the people say to try to call them to count and say, you said this, you don't you say this. The thought police and the speech police are everywhere. So people have got to be very careful. But I know what I'm saying. I never say anything contentious. But you can still have a laugh. You can still pick on people. I can still bring a brand of humour to a younger audience that they've never seen before. And they fucking love it. There's a whole generation now who are buzzing off Frankie Allen. You know, and it's great. It's great for me because a lot of the comics that I kind of grew up with um, have either died or they've packed in. And that style of comedy, I'm not saying mine's an old style, it's very different than the style you see on the TV with Barry Moore, is it Michael, whatever the... Not the, Michael the, Barry, Michael McIntyre. McIntyre. Basically, what you're saying is it's very, it's not in vogue anymore. It used to be like what you'd call mainstream comedy, but now it's, it's mainstream not Mainstream comedy, mainstream obviously... Comedy. The ultra-left in this country, whoever it was, the people who were trying to destroy the old, anything that was, anything to do with Britain and England, old England, 
Um, they try to, you know, destroy patriotism or whatever it is. They wanted to destroy comedy as well and instill and bring to the table their style of political comedy. And it's worked. There's a whole generation of young people who've never seen a comedian like me. But once they see me, they've never seen it before, you know, they think it's, it's sensational for them, it's fantastic. So we're bringing all that back. So the disappointment with me, and I'm sure it's with you, mm. is at the moment anyway, we can't bring that to people. It's not about money. It's not about fame or trying to be a fucking film star, get your picture taken and all this business. Yeah. It's about, I'm trying to make people laugh, make them laugh at things that I think is funny. I mean, I think that's what we found throughout this. Uh, our shows um, delivered a lot of community spirit. There was a lot of working class people that would get together. Not necessarily all working class people, but the majority of the audience um, were, were, were male working class fellas who, who loved getting together and having a laugh of all different generations, dads and lads coming along, groups of mates coming along, wanting to be part of the act, wanting to be part of the audience. Um, and we're really, really enjoying it. And as we said, starts 2020, unbelievable, much like 2019. Can't thank you all enough for your support. Um, tell me about what happens though when the coronavirus blows up. Tell me about wh how you felt when I said, nah, this show's not happening and all of a sudden it just went mainstream news. Yeah, well, when we first got the news, you said to me, look, we're not going to be able to do this show at the weekend, the Wiggins show. I think we had another one in. Obviously, devastated. But I don't think anybody thought, and I certainly didn't think, it was going to last as long as it's lasted. I mean, the first lockdown... People were kind of optimistic, thinking, well, I've got a few quid in the bank, got my business running. Four weeks, I think it was. Maybe, yeah, maybe we can last a few weeks, then make it up later in the year. Uh, just didn't happen. It just went on for a few weeks, stopped. Then it went. we went into another lockdown. So different tiers now, tier three, tier two. You can't go to a pub. Pubs are opening and closing. Don't forget all these all these businesses. They have to kind of like talk to a friend of mine now, last night, who's got a pub, and he said, "Well, I have to. I don't know where where we're going here because I have to order beer in advance. Yeah, and if I order it today, then we get locked down next week. It's all gone to waste. Yeah. So I, I really don't know. I'm not saying the government don't know what to do, and they're trying their best. Yeah. Nobody really knows what to do for the best. It's been a living nightmare for every soul, for everyone in the country. The only good news is the vaccine, which has come out now, um, and the uh, Oxford vaccine, which doesn't need to be refrigerated at very low temperature. They're going to bring that out and they're going to start giving people shots, vaccinating people next week. And as soon as they do, and apparently you need two shots of the vaccination, but, to, to be, but if you get one, even if you catch the virus, it won't hospitalise you. So it's great. It's great news. Um, we've got 100 million doses they're going to give out to people. So hopefully within a few weeks, a couple of months, if they safeguard the elderly, people who are at risk, and give those people, people over 60, the, 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 uh, the vaccine, then maybe we'll see a little bit of a shift back to normality so we're just, everybody's just hoping and praying, keeping your fingers crossed. Cast your mind back then to March, you know, you, you weren't allowed to leave the, the leave your house for yeah. more than an hour. Yeah. Me and you were finding it very difficult to see each other. Um, yeah. Obviously, you were, you were considered on your own, so that means you were in a social bubble with our family and all stuff yeah. like that. So we could, but like, you know, 
it was it was killing me off to be honest with you. Obviously the gyms were shut. Um managing to go out for an hour a day, just fucking walking around the corner. <laughs> like, did you think it was the end of the world? I mean, as you say, you know, I've said a hundred times, totally unprecedented, unexpected. Nobody and nobody made any kind of um nobody could have foresaw what was gonna happen. So there was no insurance. I mean would you have walked into somewhere last year or phoned up an insurance company and said, look, I, I want to take out an insurance policy in case I'm not working because a killer virus is going to sweep the world? Mm. He would have just laughed at you, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nobody made any contention. Nobody thought, well, this could happen and that could happen. People are insured in the houses, your car's insured. You can get insured for sickness, for injury, whatever, for burglary. No one ever thought, and rightly so, it was a million miles away from people's minds. Let's get insured for a global pandemic. So everyone's been caught on the hop. Maybe people, who I know guys, people who've owned nightclubs and things, who've lost millions of pounds, literally half a million pounds in a year, you know, since last March. March just gone. You know, people have lost a million pounds, half a million pounds. So it's very, very sad. Some people have taken their own lives. People have got depressed. It's a horrendous situation to be in. But there's light at the end of the tunnel, it really is. Light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, the fluctuations are hard for everyone, um, especially when you're self-employed or you're trying to run a business. I think we tried to manage in terms of doing shows, and it came off to an extent. I mean, at, when it first kicked off, I phoned you and, and I spoke to the guys at Skiddle and they said to me, this is going on till September, you know, because all the big promoters are moving stuff till September. And I was like, what? And anyone who was like at a smaller venue or something like that kept saying to me, ah, oh, no, Will, don't worry about it. We're all right in April or May. People were kind of just like oblivious to it and thinking it was nothing. So we moved all of our shows till September and still tier system, stuff like that, fucked stuff up. So managed to do an outdoor show in Liverpool in August, it was kind of like the first show you'd done for months. Isle of Gladstone, outdoor, not fantastic financially whatsoever, not a massive well, we didn't audience really make still. Any money on it. it was the 8th of August. Yeah. But, I mean, I needed it. Like, as though I was a kind of like uh, smackhead and I needed heroin, you know I mean? Yeah. I hadn't worked for months, making me feel ill. And when we'd done the Isle of Gladstone in Stanley Park, it was a fantastic night, an outdoor show, but the crowd were brilliant, and I kind of like uh, done my very best. Just give people an idea if they haven't seen the vlog of what the what the setting was like there. What, what the, the setting, setting was, like. was the Isle of Gladstone. What it is, it's a huge glass kind of greenhouse, palm house or whatever inside of Stanley Park in Liverpool by Everton Football Club. But we worked outside on the grass. There's like a little bandstand. And that served as a stage, and it was great. And the audience were in a semicircle around us. So I was just working, kind of al fresco, it's called, you know, working outside. And we worked outside. We had a great PA system. The DJ was great. We knew the DJ. We knew a lot of the people there. James Kilbo came down from Middlesbrough again. He'd done a great show. I went on, brought the house down. It was fantastic. And it made me feel just like, as you say, like a junkie who's had a fix. I felt great. For a few weeks after that, and it made me a bit more optimistic that things were coming back. Yeah, so at that point, I mean, I wasn't as optimistic, I suppose, as as you might have been. Um, 
but we were still putting vlogs out all the time, still trying to do podcasts, trying to do that type of stuff, which was working really, really well. I just became really overwhelmed with the whole thing, I think. And it was so much hard work, as I said, as we talked about earlier, with the fluctuations, trying to get shows on, roadblocks being put in your face, putting another show on, having to cancel it, having to postpone it. And then we kind of go, or from my perspective as a promoter, I think, fucking hell, are we going to lose the goodwill of all the people here if we have to keep postponing every show? Or eventually people going to get pissed off to the point where they're like, fuck it, I'm not going to buy another ticket again because you keep messing us around. But I think, thankfully, a lot of people have kept their tickets to the shows. Yeah, people have kept tickets. And a lot of people understand it's not our fault. Yeah. It's not the venue's fault. It's just... The way things are, you know, it's kind of like during World War II. Mm. People make adjustments. You have to adjust to what's going on. It is a horrible, horrendous thing that's happened to everybody, but we've just got to try and survive and help each other survive. And I'm not saying we're coming to the end of it, but certainly when you think back six months ago, eight months ago, this was a killer virus that nobody in the world had a clue how to treat how to cure now we've got a vaccine yeah which you know 99 whatever it is 95 percent, it's a cure so as long as we get everybody inoculated everybody injected and gets the job over the next couple of months then there's a great chance we'll be back to some kind of normality nice one so more shows we decided to do run corn i mean they, they got increasingly difficult with regards to um the restrictions. the restrictions that were yeah. placed on us trying to do shows in different areas once the tier systems came into place managed to do one in Runcorn which was excellent two in Chesterfield we did a sold out show in Blackpool um, went down to Hartlepool and what we found over that period and I mean you'll be able to explain it a little bit more than I will because of the amount of time you spend on stage the audience became more and more kind of like disillusioned and reserved didn't they and it was no fault of ours it was yeah, just it how people were it got to the stage were. where we don't want show Hartlepool it was. And yeah, done Hartlepool, and it was so sad that you could really see when the audience came in, um, people were kind of like really down, beat down, felt downtrodden. People were sad. They'd lost their jobs and they'd lost money, they'd lost work. They were coming out, and we had to, obviously when they come in, they had to sanitise their hands. They had to make, wear masks. They had to sit you know, don't forget you've got people, whole families who are split up now coming to shows where you might two or three people sitting at the table. The rest of their family or the missus, the friends, the sons, daughters had to sit, you know, six feet away. So it's very difficult for everybody. And it's difficult for, for, for us putting the shows on to try to make it funny, to, to try and be funny under those circumstances. And I remember doing Art Lepool and thinking... You know, God, this is so sad. There's just no, there's no atmosphere here at all. People are so worried. That they're so kind of um, under a cloud. And I had to work very, very hard. And Jimmy Kilvo went well. He worked hard. And I went on. And the second half, it was great. Kind of won them over in the end. But even me on the way home, I thought, we just can't go on like this. Can't go on working with people who are kind of... Um, so devastated and depressed and destroyed about what's happened. Totally. If you remember, I had to actually go on at half time Jordan, that show yeah. and say to people, look, I know we're in a difficult situation. I know everyone's devastated. You might not have any money. You might've lost some of your loved ones. You know, you might've been, you, 
you know, you might be feeling terrible right now, but let's try and have a laugh just for fucking half an hour and forget yeah. about it. And really, we did kind of turn the clock back a bit because we broke the back of them. In the end, they came round, and in the end, they were a fantastic crowd, a great crowd, and uh, the Clippy Club up at Middlesbrough, and they're all at Hartlepool. Hartlepool, Hartlepool. And uh, we've been there before, a fantastic crowd. I mean, the people up there in the northeast are great. You know, they're really up for a laugh. Good working class people. It's so sad to see the way people have been affected by all this. All right, so tell, tell us what you've learned from this year. Like, has this year and the dramatic effects of yeah. COVID and stuff like that and, and losing business and losing shows and losing money and not being able to see friends and stuff like that, has it made you has it made you feel any differently about life and and if so what will what will you take into life and future that might make you act slightly differently or operate in a different way? Kind of um, sort of the men from the boys, where there's a lot of people now who never go out. I'm talking about young people as well who've decided they've said to themselves, I don't want to catch the virus, so I'm going to stay in just live on benefits or whatever, I've got no work, order everything online, order with food to be delivered and never go out. And a lot of people who've done that, who've kind of so disheartened that they've just give up the ghost about even trying to live a normal life. Um, a lot of people who haven't, a lot of brave people up and down the country, all over the UK, who've tried to adjust to what's gone on and what's going on. And, you know, I've got friends of mine who making inquiries, ringing people up. Have you heard anything? Are we allowed to work this week? Um, are we allowed? Are the restaurants open? No. Well, what? And people making people kind of like really looking into how or what they can do at the moment. Because nobody's clear. You don't know whether or not you can eat or you can eat and you've got to have a mask on or you've got to be six feet away. Otherwise, what can you do? Are you in tier three? You're in tier two? Can you go to a cafe? Can you sit in or you can't sit in? You can sit in, but you can't sit with a member of your family. Um, you can't sit in with somebody that you know. It's got to be somebody that you don't know, that you've never met before. They can sit a few feet away from you. So it's so confusing, so complicated, that it's had a psychological effect on everyone in the UK. Everybody has felt it. And all over the world, I've got friends of mine who live in Spain, and uh, been over there for years working as comics in the clubs out there. Just as bad there. Danny Downing, friend of ours, working over in Benidorm. Everything in Benidorm's closed down. All the clubs are closed. You, at one stage in Spain, you couldn't go out. If, if you went out, if it wasn't to the chemist and it wasn't for food, you'd just be arrested straight away. Yeah. Really severe. Uh, Tony Riley, friend of mine over in Tenerife, Tenerife, great lad, came to see us when we were done the uh, Sky Bar in Tenerife. We'd done a couple of nights there, and he was telling me nobody goes out. It's very, very difficult, and the Spanish police are right on to everybody. They really want to go. You know, they want to kind of like, you know, they brought in very draconian measures where they're watching people's houses to see if they even come out. If they're coming out. I suppose that trying to stop the virus spreading and bringing an end to it, but there's got to be some middle ground where maybe people can go out with a mask on for... it's Nobody knows what the answer is, but just thank God we've got this vaccine. Yeah, true say. I think two things on that. One is, once again, 
um, you know, I know the fucking legislation like the back of my hand because I've had to rifle through things and you paid a nice compliment to me actually a couple of weeks back, which I've, uh, which I appreciated when you, what was the, you said about me getting a show on the moon. I actually said, somebody was saying there are any shows going and other comics are asking me, um, is it possible to put, put a show on? What restrictions are there? And I said to this guy, look, you know, my son, Will, is the best promoter in the world. If it was possible that we could work a show in the North Pole this week, he'd have that show on. Mm. So if he can't put a show on, that means nobody in the UK can do it. Don't be looking for loopholes. Don't be looking for ways around the uh, the law. You're just not going to do it. You know, you're not going to be able to sell it. You, you can't keep it a secret. You've had people... I've spoken to people who own pubs and clubs who are actually thinking next year of uh, going into kind of a speakeasy mode like it was during Prohibition. Yeah, it's going to get to that point, maybe. Where people are going to say, look, fuck this. I have to live... I can't live on fresh air. I will open my pub and I'll do it by doing it against the law. You know, and people are going, I'll put shows on and I'll do them and by invitation only and I'll do them in a darkened room somewhere. So, and you've got to feel sorry for people who are driven to such desperate measures. Yeah. They were doing things. They could end up in prison and all they want to do is live and feed the family and it's so sad it's very, very sad. But hopefully, you know, the British spirit, just like World War II, everybody rowing together, it's coming good. You know, although there's been a spike and some cases have gone up in the southeast, we may be going into tier three here tomorrow, in or today, whatever it is in the northwest. We don't really know, but you've just got to battle on. You've got to kind of like uh, plod on and with the vaccine... And with the measures that we've taken, I'm sure in maybe it's going to take another 12 months, we don't know, but this will be a memory. This will be a memory. People will be saying, fuck, how the fuck did we get through yeah. that fucking quarantine? So it's as amazing. Human beings, as human beings, you know, people get 20 years in prison, 25 years in prison, 30 years in prison. They don't die in prison. They adjust to what's gone on in their lives. It's not nice. Don't get me wrong. It's not nice. But it's amazing what you can adjust to. You know, all right, so you, 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 you're kind of like in your house, you can't move. You can communicate with people. That's what I always say to people. On your telephone, you can FaceTime people, you can Zoom people, you've got your TV, you can send people texts, you can write to people. All these things you can do to communicate, to keep yourself sane. Yeah. Um, so on a more personal note, how have you changed as a person in 2020? Um, or how's your yeah. outlook on life changed? Just yours personally, not not what you think of everyone. I'm just curious as to, has it made you a little bit more grateful for the little things? Has it kind of made you feel, you know, m- m- like no, it's you'd like to communicate me, more? Or? Uh, it's made me worry, worry about things a lot more. Because I keep thinking, well, look, you know, it was going to last for a few weeks, then it's two months, three months, and now it's nearly a year. And really, there's no sign of it ending, coming to an end. And I keep thinking, how long can it go on? Yeah. I mean, sometimes we thought, is this the death of comedy and entertainment? Will it come to a grind in a halt where people just give up the ghost and go, oh, yeah, look, you try and put a show on, nobody buys a ticket. 
nobody comes along and even the entertainers the comics and the singers go oh fuck this I'm driving a van now I couldn't be bothered mm. that's the fear so I think I'm just the, the optimist won't come to that the optimistic part on that ticket sales are up 30% shout out to Skiddle and the boys <laughs> and girls at Skiddle um, ticket sales are up 30% from last year which across the board which I think shows that people are optimistic about being able to attend live events again um, albeit with what they class as the new normal, new um, normal, which is a bit of a strange but term also, in itself. also, strangely enough, when we came to, we were doing, we were really on a roll mm-hmm. in March, you know, as you say, everywhere we were going, everywhere was sold out, we were doing fantastic, all over the UK, making a big name for the Frankie Allen show, Will Cranny, James Kill, everybody knew us in the podcast and with great, the live shows we were doing. And when it came to, like, a juddering halt, um, it didn't come to a halt because of the output that we've done with things like these podcasts, the live broadcasts. Some we had a bit of a backlog, didn't we? Yeah, we had a backlog of videos, which which did videos really well. Videos that we've managed to kind of put out every now and then. So we've kept the interest high. Yeah. And uh, although we're not doing live shows at the moment, people can't go and watch Frank on a live show. At least they can kind of like. Uh, key into videos and podcasts and personally it's not altered anything for me i still get recognized and ask for pictures and things autographs or whatever just as much if not more really than six months ago yeah so i really put that down to your skills um what do you call it when you kind of like for your um marketing marketing and um pushing the brand, as you call it, of Frankie Allen, rather than one show, different parts of the country every week, which when you think about it, I do agree with you really, is a drop in the ocean, and it's never really going to make a big impression. You know, word of mouth is very powerful, but social media is more powerful than anything else. Social so, media is basically just word know, of I've mouth got old amplified, videos now. I've got old videos, which people, possibly because they're doing nothing now, they're not working, People are looking on the phones all the time, a bit more than what they were, yeah. maybe in March and April because they're fed up. So, as you say, we're going viral on TikTok. People are scouring. We had our um, Longlands Club at Middlesbrough. Last year, we done a video there. There was a February. video of this guy heckling me a little that's fella. This, that's this year, you know. Was that this year? Was February it? this, year, this yeah. year, February this year. And uh, that kind of went viral. Yeah. We weren't expecting it to. Went to like a million or something. Wasn't nah, it? like five million or something. Five million. Yeah. Went up to five million. I mean, and I thought, well, hang on, I'm not working. I'm not going around the clubs. I'm not entertaining people. So I think we've done enough the last 18 months or so, last couple of years, we've done enough to get like a kind of a snowball effect. Yeah, and I think... Where it just took off. And even though the, 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 the live shows, obviously, we're not doing the rest of the stuff... The lives, the live broadcasts, the podcasts, the um, all the stuff that we had in the backlog stuff that we're putting out now uh, uh, has raised our profile tenfold, and it's great. I think it's built a real connection with people who watch this type of stuff, listen to this type of stuff. I don't know. Please let us know in the comments, or you know, if you're going to write a review, we'd really appreciate it—a five-star review. Get it going on this on this uh, on Apple Podcasts, but. 
we really appreciate it from you guys that you have decided to buy into what we're trying to do. Because as Frank always says, look, it's just basically me, me dad, my best mate. We go on the road together. We have a laugh. We, we try and bring a smile to people's faces. And I've got a little bit of explaining too with regard to do, should I say, with regards to the fact that we haven't put a podcast out for four months. We haven't put a podcast out, a vlog out, I think, for five months until this week. And the pure reason behind that was I've, I had to take a job on. And, you know, I'll explain to you about that in a, in a, in a future video. But basically, because I was not working and because we were in a position where we couldn't run shows. My focus was on trying to get shows off the ground because that's kind of what you wanted to do the yeah, most. Yeah, I didn't love you? live entertainment. I love, I love entertaining more than anything else. And literally, I would have done one stage this year, I would have worked for nothing yeah. just to get back on stage. And yeah, obviously I needed to make some money. So I started working for uh, a company which I'll explain about more in another podcast this is for another another episode, to be honest with you. Basically take took up all my time trying to do live events. Um, we, we brought on a production guy who's an ex-health and safety guy who's, who's been a top, top production manager like for, for some of the biggest, biggest um, touring companies in the UK. And he's been a massive help as well, hasn't he, Pete? To, to- Pete's been great. He's a clever lad. And uh, when we were trying to put shows on earlier this year and during the summer... He uh, approached the local councils and he, he gave our, what do you call it? Well, when you're giving it. Um, what is it? What we call it? Our COVID pack that we have to put forward. COVID pack. We put forward. Risk assessments. Uh, risk assessments. And we were, we were kind of like really going into detail about the precautions and the measures that we were taking to make sure that the show that we were putting on was totally within law. And, uh, I mean, it worked to an extent on some shows. I mean, the show that we did at Hangar 34, don't forget, we did one show. We did Hangar 34 only about three or four weeks ago, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Great night, and covered by all the anti-COVID, whatever restrictions. It was 10 days ago, that, you know. 10 days ago, was that yeah. what it was? So Stip- just less than two weeks. Two weeks. Stipulations and things. We had everything covered. Everything was socially distanced. Everybody that came in, hand sanitised, wearing a mask if you go to the toilet putting a kind of like a wooden spoon up with a number to get the, uh, you know, the bartender to come over and serve you because you couldn't go to the bar. So all these things we've had to get over. It's been very difficult, not just for us, but for everyone in the UK. And uh, it, it's it's sad. It's so devastating. People who've been on, kind of like been used to being on good money, who've maybe been on like £500 a week, a grand a week, anyone who's got like a special, all of a sudden, there's just nothing coming in. Yeah. I mean, nobody in the world would ever have prophesied this. So it's happened. We've got to kind of make the best of it, fight our way through. Hopefully, just like the end of the war, people probably during World War Two, and don't forget it was a lot worse than in World War Two. We were actually getting bombed. Yeah. A lot more people were dying. People's sons and daughters were going away to war, never coming back, yeah. taken prisoner, killed. So it's a horrendous World War Two. When I spoke to me dad, if you ever speak to your father or your grandparents, some of you find out what the war was like. It was fucking horrible. It was terrible. And people at night, you couldn't even stay in your house. You had to go into a shelter in your back garden or your backyard and just sit in this fucking shelter with a blanket around you all night. Or in London and Liverpool, some places, you had to go into the underground. 
He had to go into railway stations, the underground ones, the subways, sit there all night in case you got bombed. So it was absolutely horrendous, 10 times worse than what this is now. But I've always had a great faith in um, British people. British people are very resilient, they're very quiet, they're very slow to temper, they're very um, kind of like, um, I don't know what's the word, they're a bit... Um, slow to, to anger as well if you think things are going wrong but they are very very um strong people and they can battle through things and win through and we're going to win through this we will get through it and anybody's watching it what's really kind of uh giving me a boost i'm sure giving you a boost yeah a lot of people have come on to our live shows who've had mental health problems and they said will um i want to thank you and frank I had some very serious mental health issues this year and uh, your live broadcasts and the podcast have really cheered me up, helped me get through the lockdown. Yeah. So that's very kind of heartwarming for me to think that what we're doing in any way has helped people out of a depression and out of their anxiety. And we can only talk, you know, as kind of like two working class lads, yeah. tell you what our take on it is. And what I'd say to everybody, and I'll tell people now who are watching this, my take is surround yourself with people. If you're locked down, there might be people watching this, obviously, down south who are in tier four, can't go out the house. You can only go to the shops. And the biggest um, injury to mental health has to be loneliness, solitude, so keep speaking to people, even if it's on the phone, even if it's on a Skype, even if the postman comes, go and see what he's got for you, open the door, you know, and even if he's like a few yards away, you can still have a bit of a conversation with him. If you're allowed to go out to the park, talk to people in the park, even if you're shouting over to them, if you're not allowed to go near them, keep yourself communicating with other people. Problem shared is a problem halved and... Uh, it makes you feel tons better. So that's what we're aiming to do with these podcasts, with these lives. That's what we've done, is engage with people, get them to interact with us, and let everybody know we are all in this together, and we'll all win through together, and we'll all laugh our fucking heads off about it when it's all over together. Yeah, and you know what? I felt really bad about that. You are talking earlier about how people were really reliant on the communication that we were giving them. We were doing one live video a day. We changed it to a one live video every Monday on Facebook. If you're not on Facebook, it'll be linked below. Um, if you're not on Frankie Allen's Facebook, should I say, it'll be linked to follow below. But the podcast and the vlogs were a nice outlet for people. One, to be a little bit nostalgic about stuff that was going on. And two, also to be able to, you know, follow like people who were just like them. And the fact that we didn't put anything out for four or five months, kind of like pissed me off um, because I felt like I'd let people down. So I want to apologize to everyone on that note. It was purely due to the fact that, you know, fucking hell, I was just trying to do absolutely everything and uh, it couldn't happen. And I didn't realize how much people were invested in it. People were un really, well, I until I'm not saying I told you so, but I was trying to tell you where it was really, it was very, very important. People just stopped me in cafes and places in the street and say, you know, the podcast that you do and the live that you do really helped me. I look forward to them every week. It's, it became, with some people, the kind of like um, the highlight of the whole week. There was a guy that I bumped into. He came to the show. 
Um, he knows who he is. He'll be listening to this. Who was at the show in the Isle of Gladstone, and he said, "Listen, Will. Some people watch fucking Breaking Bad. Some people watch Coronation Street, but I like sitting down to watch the Frankie Allen vlog at Tuesday at seven o'clock, and that's just what I'm into, which so is we'll, unbelievable, isn't it? We've got to get it back on. Well, let's just yeah. start doing it. Make a promise to me now. We'll do it every week, and uh, hopefully." This will be our third, might be third time looking because probably this is the first, the third time that we've had a, you know, kind of second time we've had a break um, with, with with the lives, and we'll go back on them religiously, do them every week. I think a lot of people, a lot of people listen to these podcasts in the car, watching them. Be nice to know how you do consume this, whether you whether you're yeah. listening to it in the car or whatever. Just hit us up on any social media, let us know. But the podcast is going to be you know, consistent now. Uh, we've come to a point where we realise that people really are invested in this. Um, I see a huge business opportunity in it. Um, you know, not to be mercenary, but due to the fact that we fucking haven't had any live events as well, yeah. we need to try and get some dough in from somewhere. So if anyone wants to sponsor yeah. this, you know where we are, hit us up, book into frankieallen.co.uk. But the main thing is the fact that people are enjoying the content. That is the huge thing. And we've... Uh, you know, being loving all the messages you've been sending, it's, the appreciation it's, yeah. we've got is huge, isn't it? It's it, it is. It's great. It really kind of uh, warms us to the heart. You know, we feel really, as though we're doing something worthwhile when we find that people are are kind of like uh, appreciating what we do to a great extent, and it's kind of changing their way of thinking, lifting them out of depression, a little bit depressed, a little bit anxious. As I said before, the problem shared, the problem halved. If people communicate and you can say, well, you know, Frankie Allen, they're having a terrible time. Someone else having a terrible time. I believe so-and-so um, lost thousands. He lost a million. You don't wish it on people, but at least you know nobody, there's nobody that's emerging unscathed from this. Yeah, whether it's... Everyone has been affected in one way or the other. And... Um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You've got to be optimistic. We can only be optimistic and look at things and say, look, yeah, the vaccine is there. This week, it's coming out. Um, the vulnerable, the elderly, anybody over 60, 65, they're going to be getting it straight away. As soon as they've got it, we're kind of like halfway there. You know, we're home free because most of the deaths occur in people who are over 60. So when they start injecting people 40 to 60, once they're all covered, then we're going to be laughing. It could happen. We could be cured. We could be back to normal sooner than you think. Nice one. So yeah, just to make a promise to everyone, these podcasts are going to be regular every single week. We'll pick a day. It's either going to be yeah. a Thursday or a Sunday, um, depending on, on what you guys think is best. So please do let us know in the comments whether this has gone out or Thursday or Sunday, if you'd prefer the other day. So just put Thursday in the comments or Sunday in the comments. And if there's a time that you'd like it to go out, then that'd be brill as well. Um, we're going to get the vlogs out every single week for you. More videos coming. We're going to do phone-ins, more live videos, a lot more content coming up. Um, we've got a little bit of a weird and wonderful world we've created with characters like young Dave and Kilvo, who a lot of people have, uh, you know, become enamored with. So they'll be on the podcast too. And anyone else that you'd like us to see us talk to, um, please let us know. One last thing before we go, I just want to say to everyone, massive thank you for your support throughout 2020. I mean, to be able to put on, I think we did more than 20 shows in 2020. That's like one every two weeks. 
that is insane. It's been fantastic. It's been a real great ride. It's been amazing. I couldn't have done it. You know, I mean, I've got the raw talents on the stage. Very lucky to have some great support comedians. We had Jack Ryan, who was a great comic. Um, And uh, when he kind of went on his cruises, he did a lot of cruises, Jack and things, and goes abroad. Uh, We were very lucky to get James Kilvington on board, who's a fantastic comic who's our resident support comedian now, brilliant comedian, great guy. And he goes everywhere with us all over the UK. And as I say, it's, uh, it's very rewarding, really, to, to discover that people are, they do appreciate what you're doing and what we've tried to do and how we've, um, we've done it not for kind of like financial gain. We've done it out of the, what I'd like to think, the goodness of our own hearts, you know, just kind of, identifying and, and, and with people all over the, the world, all over the UK, who are the same as us. They're scared of what's going on, but just fighting on, you know, just battle on. And, uh, you know, we'd all do it together. Everybody rows together. If you want to get to the other side of the lake, you have to row together. You know, not, no good people rowing in different directions. A lot of people are going, oh, this is it. I'm not getting injected. This is a fucking content. All this business... We've got to reach some kind of a consensus of opinion where people go, look, is this vaccine going to kill me? No. Okay, I'll, I'll get it, you know. Um, you could, We could all sit down and talk about this is a conspiracy, this is this, this is that. You know, there is a, there is a virus out there and it can be very damaging, you know, very um, life-threatening for people, especially elderly people. So we've got to get rid of it. So if, if the vaccine is a way forward, we've got to get it done. And hopefully, within a couple of months' time, we're going to be in a far better position of, uh, you know, kind of halfway back, three quarters way back to being normal. Certainly. So, as I said, massive thank you to everyone for all your support throughout 2020. It's been huge, whether you've watched a video, whether you've listened to a podcast, whether you've come to a live show, you know, whether you've bought a memo or a cameo, which is a shout-out from Frankie, uh, savaging one of your mates. We'll talk about that in a future podcast, but you've been enjoying them, haven't you? I've been enjoying it. It's fantastic. It's great. Just let, let, let off a bit of steam. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, all it is is just a short video where you can put your description in of what you want Frankie to say. And he, he just savages people on a video. And, uh, and we get paid for them. It's been a few quid as well. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. And it started off with kind of like, uh, can Frankie wish so-and-so happy birthday? But it's kind of evolved. I was going to say, Degenerated, but I wouldn't say degenerated. Yeah, evolved into uh, memos where people want messages sent to their mates, and you know I'm having a go at them saying uh, he's got big ears, he's got a, you know he's the worst goalie in the world. He's always <laughs> letting goals in for our team. And yeah. did, did he know that when he was one of them was like when we went to Benidorm, uh, somebody was giving his beard one on the beach <laughs> when he was playing snooker. And all it's a very funny thing, and it's just repartee. It's just basically young lads and girls winding each other up, but getting me to do it because savaging people, insulting people, is my bag. Yeah, and it's just a bit of camaraderie within people, as we said. You know, community spirit goes a long way, especially in this fucking year. Um, as I said, 
thanks for all your support. But one thing that we do want to get out is uh, anyone who's been affected by, um, you know, the coronavirus situation in any which way, shape or form, whether it's your business, whether it's your mental health, whether you've lost a loved one, um, our heart goes out to, to everyone who's been affected by this. We've all been affected by it in our own way. Yeah. But, you know, um, as, as you said, no, there's no one who's come out of this unscathed. So fingers crossed to a brighter future. How are you feeling about 2021? Feeling a lot more optimistic, I really am. I think, uh, you know, people, I used to think when I was a kid, uh, people say, Happy New Year, big fuss on New Year's Eve, great, hope next year. You think, well, I used to, well every year's the fucking same. No, no, every year is very, very different. Every year, spiritually, you know, aesthetically, the way that you, every year is completely different. When you look back on your life, you're fucking, oh, that was a good year, that was a bad year. You know, and I mean, we can all give each, give each other advice. And I'd like to say this to people as well. I hope I'm not bending the law by saying this. Um, anybody who's kind of having problems, worrying themselves sick about bills that they can't pay, for instance, you know, your mortgage. Yeah, you know, if anybody out there who can't afford to pay the mortgage, there are options you can take. You can apply for a mortgage holiday where you're not paying it for two or three months, which will really help you out till you get back on your feet. So yeah, one more time, just want to say massive thank you to everyone. We've had a 2020 that none of us expected, but we've come out of it. And tomorrow is the final fucking day. Thank God. <laughs> it's been a mad year. It's been a year that's brought a lot of people together. It's been a year filled with stress and anxiety and hard fucking graft. And we can't wait to get out of it, but 2021 is going to be a huge year for everyone. And I hope it's fantastic for every single yeah, person who's listening uh, to or watching this. Anybody who's watched this and followed us and knows about Will Cranny, Frankie Allen, James Kilvington, we do wish you all the very best for 21, 2021. Hopefully it's going to be a fantastic year. It can't be any worse than this year. Yeah. <laughs> so... All our very best here. Keep your chin up. Keep communicating with people, and uh, things are going to turn around. All the very best. Nice one. If you are watching this on YouTube, please do give us a thumb up. Get yourself subscribed. Comment below. And um, if you're watching it on Apple Podcasts, or sorry, should I say, listening to it on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. Tell us what you think. And if there's any more things that you'd like to hear us talk about, if there's any, anyone you want us to interview, um, if you've got any ideas for the podcast and stuff moving forwards, let us know. Massive thank you to all of you for your time in listening to or watching this podcast. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you very, very much. Take care.